0: Hey, if you would, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1. I'd like to talk tonight, Lord willing, about something that we all want to do and should be doing, but sometimes we struggle with it, and that's witnessing, sharing the gospel with the people around us. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1, Paul says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So Paul was in Athens and he was sharing with the uh, philosophers of the day, with the uh, intelligentsia of the day on Mars Hill. So hold your place in Corinthians and just go real quick to Acts chapter 17, please. Acts chapter 17, verse 16. This is an account of Paul sharing with these people. Acts 17, 16. It says, Now while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him when he saw that the city was given over to idols. Therefore he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and with the Gentile worshipers and in the marketplace daily with those who happened to be there then certain Epicurean and Stoic philosophers encountered him. And some said, what does this babbler want to say? What is this man babbling about? Others said, he seems to be a proclaimer of foreign gods because he preached to them Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him to the Aeropagus, saying, may we know what this new doctrine is of which you speak for you are bringing some strange things to our ears. Therefore, we want to know what these things mean. For all the Athenians and the foreigners who were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing." So Paul, in this account, he shares the truth with these people, with these philosophers, with these thinkers. And he shares with them on their, he tells them the truth, he shares the truth, but he shares on their level, so to speak. And in verse 32 it says, And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, and others said, We will hear you again on this matter. So Paul departed from among them. So Paul leaves Athens after this experience, and he goes to Corinth. It's sort of like he's saying, when he goes to Corinth, it's enough of that. From now on, it's only Jesus Christ and him crucified. You know, After his meeting with the philosophers and trying to share with them, he said, there's only one thing I want to share, one thing I want to know, and that's Jesus Christ and him crucified. This world does not need philosophy, and it doesn't, definitely doesn't need more talking heads. It needs Jesus Christ and him crucified. No argument can stand against that simple message. No argument can stand against just speaking the name of Jesus. The message of Jesus Christ and him crucified shuts the mouth of the opposition. You know, when you're sharing with people, I know there's been times when I've shared with people and I've got into arguments and I've got into debates, but whenever... We share just that simple message, Jesus Christ and him crucified. People open their mouth to say something, but nothing comes out because there's no argument with that. There's no answer to that. So I'd like to talk tonight about witnessing, that we are to witness, how we witness, a couple of keys to witnessing, why we don't witness in Matthew 28, 18, Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And when we share, we're not sharing the word of men or a philosophy. We're sharing the testimony of the Son of God, who sits on the throne, the one to whom every created thing in heaven and on earth, every good and every evil thing will bow the knee, the one with all authority, Therefore, because he is the truth and the life and the way, we willingly willingly submit ourselves for his purpose, and the sharing of the eternal gospel is possible and effective, because all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Jesus went on to say, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He says, go and make disciples, make followers of Jesus Christ, those who will sit at his feet and learn from him, those who will, by the power of the Holy Spirit, become like him. You know, being a faithful believer and being a faithful witness for Christ can be a lonely thing, because sometimes we feel like we're the only one. You know, man, at work, I'm the only one who believes. I'm the only believer at work, or in my family, I'm the only one who believes. And we have the truth, and nobody seems to want to hear it. Nobody wants to listen. It can be a lonely thing. We can feel like we're the only one. That's why it's so important to be in fellowship with other believers so we can encourage each other. Because there are times when, due to circumstances, our strength can dwindle, our faith can weaken and we can become discouraged by a sense of failure sometimes. We need to be with believers sharing common experiences. We need to be reminded and know the truth, what Jesus said, that we are not alone, that the one who has all authority of the physical and spiritual universe has said, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. In Hebrews it says, for he himself has said, I will never leave you or forsake you, So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? And here we are at the end of the ages. And you know, I don't think it's gonna become easier to share the gospel with people, for the world to become receptive to the gospel. Even though it's not our effort, but what Christ accomplishes through us. I think people, as time goes on, are going to become more resistant to the gospel. As the blinding deception of the spirit of Antichrist grows stronger in this world. First Timothy chapter four, Paul says, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers and they will turn turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. If the church will become this resistant to the church, to the truth, what's gonna happen in the world? I think it's going to become harder and harder to share the gospel. So the great commission, go and make disciples of all nations. You know, how impossible is that for us to do that in our own strength and our own wisdom? Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. We don't stand a chance except for the fact that we are sent and empowered by the one who has given all authority in heaven and earth. It's like, I think it was Isaiah who said, Lord, here am I, send me. And that's the only way. I've heard it said that that's the reason that we were created, that that's the reason why we're still here, is to share the gospel. But I think that's putting the cart before the horse. John said in First 1 John 1, 1.3, that which we have seen and heard we declare to you that you, have also may, that you may also have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. The reason we were created and the reason we are still here was to experience fellowship with our Creator, fellowship with our Father, and everything in our Christian life stems from that. If we're spending that time with him, if we're in the Word and we're sitting at his feet, Everything else stems, comes from that. In the early days of Calvary Chapel and other churches, there was a revival happening on the West Coast that spread throughout the whole country. You know, it was called the Jesus Movement. And it happened at Calvary Chapel. But that movement, that movement of the Spirit, spread all up and down the coast at that time. The church that I was attending I was living in Hermosa Beach at the time and I was attending this little church and for the first time in its history there wasn't enough room in the building for all the people that were coming and the average age of people in the church was 20 and other churches came and they inquired you know how is this happening you know how are you getting all these young people these you know filthy hippies to come into your church how are you doing this what programs do you have in place to attract all these young people But there weren't any programs, and there wasn't any organized outreaches by the church. There was only the teaching and preaching of the word of God. You had a group of people who were being immersed in the word of God. And in this world today, in this city, who are the people who are being effective in sharing the gospel? Those who are sitting at the feet of Jesus and receiving his word. And those who are spending that quiet time alone with Jesus discover something. That sharing the gospel is not a burden, that we don't have to strive. If we're spending that time with the Lord, if we're spending that time in his word, it just we find out it happens. It just happens during the day. Doors are opened, and we're given the strength to go through them. The supernatural becomes natural to the disciple. In Zechariah, It says, So he answered and said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. God can use anything or anyone, but no flesh will ever glory in his sight. There was a guy I used to know who was uh, very evangelistic. He was a street preacher, and you could see him standing out on the corner in the city preaching the gospel to people. And sometimes we'd go to McDonald's to get something to eat, And we'd sit there at the table, and he would start preaching the gospel to me, even though I was already saved. And he'd be doing it really loud so everybody around could hear it because he figured that way everybody will hear the gospel. And and I admired his boldness, but I kind of questioned the effectiveness of it. When accomplishing his work, God doesn't honor human effort or conniving. The ends don't always justify the means, and people aren't stupid. They know, is this person sharing what he believes to be eternal truth with me because he genuinely cares about me, or is he fulfilling a duty, or meeting an expectation of his church, or trying to gain the approval of his God? John 5.24 says, Most assuredly I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life. And, to, and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. This is why we witness. The Bible says the love of Christ constrains us. We don't witness, we don't share the gospel to gain approval or, or to you know, put a notch in our belts that I've shared with this many people or whatever. We do it because we want those around us to receive that everlasting life, that life forever. You know, We were talking about that with the kids in Sunday school this morning, that word forever. You know, the fact that we are going to live forever, what we have to look forward to, you know, and even not thinking of forever as a, as a span of time, but sort of like a place that we're going to see forever, you know, what we have to look forward to. And that we will not come into judgment, but we've passed from death to life. And this is what we desire for the people around us, for those that we love. That's why we witness to people. That's the only reason we witness to people is out of love. John 5.11 says, and this is the testimony, that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. And that's our desire. That's why we share the gospel when given the opportunity that people will have the Son and have eternal life and live forever. It's why we witness. For the love of Christ compels us. Because we would rather die than see those around us perish. It's like Paul said in Romans, I tell the truth in Christ and I'm not lying, my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit, that I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my countrymen according to the flesh. So Paul had such love for people, they said I could wish that I myself were accursed for their sake. And some people say, well, it's the job of the pastor to evangelize and to share the gospel. But in Ephesians, Paul says, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Pastors pray for their people, for their flock. Pastor Rob, he ministers to us, he prays for us. We're, in a sense, we're the Lord's sheep, but this is the flock that God has given him to watch over. Pastors feed the flock, and healthy sheep produce healthy sheep. And you may not have a certificate hanging on you while saying that you're a pastor, designating you as a pastor, but everyone in this room and it is, in a very real sense, a pastor. The people that you see every day, those are your flock. The people you work with, your family, your neighbors, these are your people that you pray for, that you minister to, that you love and share the love of Christ with. And we should always be praying, Lord, we pray for our people, those that we see every single day, the flock. Pray for salvation. John 1720 says, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us that the world may believe that you sent me. And that's why we share the gospel. That's why the church should be that light on a hill, that the world may believe that the Father has sent the Son. The church should be that city on a hill. You know, I like to read about the history of revivals that happened in this country and around the world. And they have a lot of things in common, these revivals. And... One thing that they have a common and that every revival that I've read about has in common, and that was a witness to the world, to the people around them, and that people had to take notice of and couldn't deny, was that the walls between denominations, races, ethnic groups, all those walls just evaporated during the revival. And all there was was Jesus, and the people were one, united. When the world sees people, who couldn't be more different, united as one, having a love for one another that surpasses knowledge if they see the work of the Spirit, when they see the church accomplishing what the world desires but can never achieve, when they see people within the world would be in conflict with each other and seen not just tolerating one another but different people, different individuals united as one that the world may believe that you sent me. When the world sees that, That's proof that the Father has sent the Son. So how do we witness? Romans 10.13, it says, For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent, as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. We should never forget that the message that we have is good news, the good news, that we are a fallen race, and because of that we sin against a God and a righteous a good and righteous God. In Romans it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Second Corinthians 520, Paul says, "'Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, "'as though God were pleading through us. "'We implore you on Christ's behalf, "'be reconciled to God, "'for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, "'that we might become the righteousness of God in him.'" And that's the good message, that we need, people need to be reconciled to God, and that reconciliation is in Christ, that we can be reconciled to God because in verse 21, that verse, he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. When Jesus was on the cross, he became sin that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Our judgment went on him. Verse 16 says, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We witness by verbally sharing what the word of God says about life and death. And the Lord opens those doors and gives us the words. And one important aspect of that, of verbally sharing the gospel is is listening. Listening to the beliefs of life and death that people have formulated for their own lives. People are affected when someone actually and sincerely listens to them. People aren't used to being listened to. They're used to being ignored, shouted down, interrupted, or dismissed offhand. If you are a sincere listener, you have, in a sense, earned the right to be listened to. Someone said, share the gospel, and if necessary, use words. God's word does not return void. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. But there are people around us who would say, I don't care what the Bible says. You can sit there and you can tell me what the Bible says, but I'm looking at your life. And the way that you live, your life will affirm if what you are saying is true, or it will give me a reason not to believe. There was a guy I used to work with. His name was James. He was a friend of mine. And we worked in the same building. And James was a believer. He was a Christian. And Everybody knew he was a Christian because he always carried his Bible around. And whenever he had a chance, he would be sitting there at his desk reading the Bible. But he was always kind of uh, depressed, James, because he always never felt that he was doing enough. He never felt that he was being a good enough witness. He would say, you know, I'm not sharing the gospel. I'm not being a witness of what Christ has done in my life. But he was always in the Word. And James worked in the, in the tool cage in the maintenance department. And if you work with a bunch of maintenance guys and they know you're a Christian, you're going to be getting your fair share of harassment, and James did. And one day James came to work, and he had a heart attack, and he died at work. And they had the funeral at Bethel. And they gave people at work time off to go to the funeral if they wanted to. And during the funeral, the pastor had what they usually do, anybody who wants to say something, stand up and say something about James May. And people stood up, and most of them said what a good guy he was, and how he, but most of them were talking about how he loved the word of God and how much time he spent just sitting at Jesus' feet. And there was a guy who worked in the building who was, if you look up the term biker in the dictionary, this guy's picture would be there. You know, there are people who ride motorcycles, and then there are bikers. This guy was, an, was a true outlaw. And when everybody had spoken about James, all of a sudden this guy stands up, and everybody got quiet and kind of turned around and looked. And this guy, with his voice cracking, all he said was, James was an honorable man. And you could have heard a pin drop. And I thought, man, James, you were worried because you weren't being a witness you didn't think the Lord was using you. If you are a person of the book, if you are in the word of God and you're in that intimate fellowship with the Lord, if you love people around you and you just have that desire to be used, I'm sure that God has used you in ways that you won't even be aware of until you get home and are rewarded for simply receiving his grace. Sometimes we expect more from ourselves than the Lord does. Sometimes I think we put unnecessary pressure on ourselves. I believe that we should never forget the words of Jesus because he said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. First Peter 3.14 says, but even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you are blessed and do not be afraid of their threats nor be troubled, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts And always be ready to give an answer, a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. You know, how exciting it is and what an open door it is if someone would actually come up to us and ask us for the reason. I see that you have hope. What is the reason for the hope that you have? You know, what an open door that is. When surrounded by panic, we have calm. When surrounded by fear, we have Security. When surrounded by depression, we have joy. When surrounded by bitterness, we have peace. When surrounded by confusion, we have direction and purpose. When surrounded by hardship and trial, we have hope. You know, may the Lord cause this to be seen in us and people ask, why? Why do you have this hope? You know, what an open door and blessing that is. So, how do we get to that place where people see that? where people see that in the midst of all the turmoil that's in the world today, but people see that we have that hope. How do we get to that place where it's visible, where it's seen? Psalm 46.10, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Philippians 4.6, it says, Be anxious for nothing. You know, you should think about that, that the word of God actually says, don't be anxious about anything. And there's so much that you could justify being anxious about, but God says, don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Being men and women of prayer, but sometimes we don't share the gospel. You know, why don't we share? Why don't we take every opportunity, go through every door that's given to us? 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. Proverbs 29, 25 says, The fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord will be safe." And I think that's why we're hesitant to share the gospel sometimes, because we fear men. We fear losing our reputation. We're not willing to lose our lives to the extent that Jesus has called us to. There was a man in the Bible who wasn't willing to lose his life. He didn't confess Christ before men. Joseph of Arimathea It says that he was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews. He was afraid of men. He had that fear. He was afraid of losing his his position, his reputation. He was a disciple, but secretly. And God, as far as we know, just told him to do one thing, gave him one job, go to Pilate and ask for the body of Jesus and in spite of his weakness, in spite of his fear, he obeyed. So he went to Pilate, and I'm sure that was a scary thing for him. In front of all the Sanhedrin and all the Pharisees and the Sadducees, he has to go up to Pilate and ask for the body of Jesus, marking himself as a disciple. He went to Pilate. Someone said, brave men are those who are more afraid of running away than going forward. But I'm sure when he went to Pilate, he found out something. It was a long walk, probably, up those steps to Pilate's seat to do this in obedience to God. But on the walk down, i bet he realized, you know what? That wasn't that hard. In fact, that was easy. God doesn't tell us to do something and not give us everything we need to accomplish it. You know, I'm sure you've experienced where the Lord tells you to do something, and we do it and we realize that God could have used a rock instead of, it's like we're not even there, it's just Christ accomplishing something through us. I remember there was this guy who lived in an apartment building down the street from us and I spoke to the guy a couple of times. The only, really the only time I spoke with him was he was telling me that somebody had stolen something out of his car and he was uh, sharing with me how he was going to kill them when he found them. And so I'm getting my bike out and I was going for a ride and the Lord spoke to my heart and said, go share the gospel with that guy. And I said, no, 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 no. It was not something I wanted to do. The guy was sitting out on his porch. So I pulled my bike up and just started talking to him. And he was reading a book and I asked him what he was reading. And he was reading something, Eastern philosophy type book. And it just opened the door for me to tell him what I believed, sharing the gospel. And when I was done... I realized you know, that was, real, that was actually easy. When the Lord calls us to do something and we obey, he gives us the grace to do it. He doesn't call us to do something and then abandon us. God doesn't tell us to do something and not give us everything we need to accomplish it. He prepares the way. When the Lord tells us to do something that we're apprehensive about and we do it, we find out, we realize it wasn't us who did it. God could have used anybody. It was him. It's all God. He receives the glory. Romans 15, 18, Paul says this. He says, For I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ has not accomplished through me in word and deed to make the Gentiles obedient. I'm not going to speak about anything that I have done, anything that I have accomplished. The only thing I'm going to speak about are the things that Christ has accomplished through me. Another reason that we sometimes are hesitant to share, it says in Corinthians, Colossians 1:18, "For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God." That's another reason why we're hesitant to share sometimes, because the message of the cross couldn't be more alien to this world. It's foolishness to those who are perishing. Paul said, And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. You know, I like to watch old videos of Billy Graham when he was first starting out with the Crusades in New York. You know, you talk about a fiery preacher. He was up there. He was a pretty, really good orator. You know, you, you would think, man, this guy can talk people into the kingdom. He'd be up there pounding the podium and and raising his Bible, and he just had that way of speaking that was very powerful. And then I remember when he came to Rochester, and he spoke at the old Red Wing Stadium down in Norton Street. And there wasn't a lot of excellence of speech or of wisdom in declaring the testimony of God. And when, they gave the, when he gave the invitation, all of a sudden all these people started going down onto the field. The, per, the person that we invited, who didn't even want to go to begin with, went down. And I remember thinking, what did this guy say that would cause these people to actually go, leave their seats and go down there to receive Christ? And the answer was nothing. It was just Jesus Christ and him crucified. The simple message. Paul said... I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. You've got to wonder, you know, Paul goes to Corinth and he says, I'm weak, I'm fearful, and I'm trembling. Why would Paul, possibly the bravest of all the apostles, who had been through more than any of the apostles, who had shown his courage and his devotion to the Lord, why would he go to witness with these people in fear, and weakness, and trembling? You know, maybe for the same reason that we're hesitant to share because it seemed impossible. Corinth was the most decadent city at the time. Sexual immorality wasn't just accepted and celebrated, it was considered their religious duty. It was considered for an, uh, an honor for a family to have a daughter who, who was a temple, bro- temple prostitute. In the literature of the day, whenever there was a character of low morals, they referred to that person as Corinthian And the Lord told Paul to go to this place and preach a gospel of redemption and holiness. Maybe he was fearful because he thought there's no way that these people will repent and return to Christ. Because by human understanding, sometimes we see people and we want to share with them, but we think there's no way. I just can't even picture this person turning to Christ. It's can't even picture it. But Paul knew the second key to witnessing, the first key to witnessing, being in that intimate fellowship with Christ, being sitting at his feet and learning from him and spending that time with him. The second, one word, obedience. Paul, in spite of fear and trembling, obeyed. He went to Corinth and preached Jesus Christ and him crucified, and a church was established in the most impossible place. Jesus said in Matthew 19, And again I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And I don't think he was necessarily speaking about money, for there are those who are rich in spirit as opposed to being poor in spirit. Those who are rich in spirit are not able to receive the gospel. When his disciples heard it, they were greatly astonished, saying, Who then can be saved? but Jesus looked at them and said to them, with men, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. You know, and there's people around us that we can't even picture getting saved, but with God, all things are possible. It is possible for us to become bold and share the gospel and share the love of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit and for people to receive. Obedience and God receives the glory. Remember that incident in the Bible where Jesus told those two disciples to go into the village and get the colt for him to ride in on Jerusalem. So he sends these two guys in to the village to get the donkey, and it had to be a nervous walk into town. You know, they're walking together, and they're going, and, you know, probably one of them said, you know, how is this going to work out? You know, are we going to be arrested? Will he bail us out when we're in jail? Because we're, you know, isn't this stealing, just going up and untying the colt and taking it? And Jesus said, if anybody asks you, just say the master needs it. In spite of their fear and even doubt, they obeyed. And walking back, I'm sure the conversation was different when they're walking back with the donkey. Maybe one of them said, you know, I was really freaking out back there. I didn't know what was going to happen. I was scared. But you know what? That was easy. I think that's what we find out. When we obey God, we find out it's not a burden. It's, in, in a sense, easy. Because God provides, God prepares our way. Jesus said, My strength is made perfect in weakness. And I think we have the weakness part down. So we're in a good place for the Lord's will to be done and Him glorified. Paul went on to say, And my speech and my preaching. We're not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. You can't talk people into it. You can't connive away. You know, you can't leave your car's radio station on the Christian station, hoping that your husband or wife will come in and and hear it. Conniving doesn't work, um, People are only saved by the power of God. Not by, my, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. It's the only way. So let's finish there and, just, and pray for those two things, to be brought into that intimate fellowship with Jesus and for obedience. You know, my prayer is, Lord, make me obey you. And I can't think of an instance in the Bible where the Lord forced anybody to obey Him. you know. So how does the Lord make us obey Him? He shows us His mercy, and we become bondservants of Him, voluntary. You know, put the thing, put the ring in my ear and make me your servant, make me your slave. He shows us His mercy. So let's pray. Father, we come before you and we pray for our people, Lord, that you have put around us, our families, The people we work with, our neighbors, Lord, these are our people that you have put around us. So, Lord, give us boldness, Lord. Open doors for us to share the love of Christ with them, Lord, that our lives would show it, that there would be evidence. We pray, Lord, that you would give us that boldness. And, Lord, bring us into fellowship with you every day, Lord, spending that time sitting at your feet, Lord, that we would desire to obey you. And we thank you, Lord, that your burden is light, your yoke is easy and your burden is light, Lord. So, Lord, use us, we pray. We give ourselves to you. Pray that you would fill us with your spirit and be glorified, Lord. We pray for this week coming up, Lord, that, there would, that we would find joy, Lord, we pray. And use us, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen.